Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hey guys, Maximilian X here on the top of the episode um, with a special message from the team. We made a survey to gauge what people think of Game Rivals. Please fill this in as it will help us make the content that you would enjoy. The link for this is in the description for the episode, or you can find the link also on our Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. Thank you for your attention, and now back to the main episode. And welcome to another episode of Game Rivals. I am your host, Maximilian X. Joining me, who is who equally has a changed voice, is Sean Templar. How are you doing, Sean? Besides the cold I've been uh, having the whole week, <laughs> I'm okay. So I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what what are the odds? We both got colds at pretty much the same time. Yeah, um, we're st- I mean it's a lot better than it started, but um, yeah, we still have these weird, deeper voices now. So enjoy <laughs> that, people. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, if you have missed last week's ep- last week's last last the last episode, which was the first episode of the year, um, a happy new year once again. Um, this is the second episode of season two which marks our one-year anniversary. Happy Yay! anniversary, Sean Templar. Happy anniversary. Yeah. It's it's so, so time passed by so fast. I I can't believe it, man. Yeah, I mean, officially our our um, anniversary was on the 10th. But um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, we've been doing this for a wait. Yeah, a year. Yeah. I can't imagine. Like, and the funny part is that we... Well, obviously, we were we we didn't know how this was gonna go, and we're we're grateful and happy for the people that have stuck around and have listened to us. Again, you know, share the share the word, share the good words, spread it around, let people know that this podcast exists, so that we can grow even more in twenty twenty. Uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff uh, for you guys planned for uh, for this year. Um, so yeah, let's uh, start it off with the news. Sean Templar, what is the first news article that we're going to talk about this year? So this week, um, reservation options or pre-order options appeared for a game called Assassin's Creed Ragnarok. Um, A lot of people are speculating that the new Assassin's Creed game will be set in some Viking barbarian age. Um, I... I don't know uh, because the listings posted on the websites for pre-order were taken down pretty quickly. So um, sometimes these things happen. They get, they get leaked prematurely. Sometimes it could also just be fake rumors. I mean, yeah. um, Like we didn't talk about this when it happened, but um, like last, last year in 2019, we, there was an article about, um, there are multiple articles actually about um, the next Assassin's Creed being Viking based or at least set with Norse mythology, um, but those got dismissed pretty quickly. Um, those those leaks were reported as fake, and um, there was another report about um, this one poster that you can find in um, the Division Two, which uh, says. Uh, of I think it says Valkyrie or Valhalla. Uh, I think pretty sure it said Valhalla, which had a Norse kind of looking guy, Viking looking guy, um, holding an axe and an apple, which people um, speculated that was the um, Apple of Eden. Apple of Eden from uh, from the Assassin's Creed series, um, but that was it. So this is a bit more concrete. Uh, the, the the rumors do state that there is going to be a PlayStation event in February where they'll introduce this game and that it's going to appear not only on current-gen systems, but also on next-gen systems when those launch. 
So it's kind of like how it was with uh, Black Flag at the time on the PS4. Was it? Yeah, I guess it was. Because that one came out for PS3 as well. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't hope it's a Viking game because I'm not into that setting as much. I'd rather have them do something like uh, China or Japan. I mean, I firmly believe that Assassin's Creed is perfectly set to be portrayed in Japan. I mean, ninjas and samurai, they just scream Assassin's Creed. So I'm I'm surprised they still haven't done it. They've actually mentioned that they might never do it because they don't feel that it's right or something. I read it once in an interview. I but- mean, I get... Well, I mean, I get that because if you look at historical ninjas, they're not—they're not as interest. I mean, they're still interesting because of what they did and how they operated. And considering that the people that were ninjas, it's actually kind of astonishing that they did all that. But they're not—they're not like Sekiro. Like, I mean, Sekiro is of course over the top, blah blah blah, um, and media like both. Japanese media and Western media has exaggerated the ninja mythos. So you have all these unrealistic stuff around it. So I guess that's part of the reason why they haven't done anything like that. Samurai, however, Samurai would be really interesting, except that Samurai mostly worked for a, for a lord, for a shogun. So I'm not really sure how you do that with assassins. Um, Plus, if you think about it historically, because they also like to get into the historical edges of it, um, then there was a period of where Japan was like completely closed off to the Western world, except for trading with the Dutch. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm kind of curious what period of time they would pick to set an Assassin's Creed game with Assassins and Templars. So We would only find out if they did it, so yeah. Yeah. But people have been wanting a um, a Viking slash Norse uh, themed Assassin's Creed for quite some time, actually. For I think I think since um, wait, which one was the last one that came out? Odyssey, which is yeah, before Greek, that one, uh, before that one. So Origins. when Origins came out, like yeah. when Origins came out, they're like, oh, this is actually kind of cool because it's set in Egypt. Wouldn't it be cool if they also did one with Vikings? You know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if if this is if this ends up being true, I think a lot of people would be happy though. Hmm. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I think that the Assassin's Creed game is due for this year because well, we didn't get one last year. And uh, of course, we've get it. We're getting new consoles this year, so probably uh, it's the fitting uh, time for that game to come out. Hopefully, uh, we'll know more. I don't. I, I don't know if there's gonna be a February event for PlayStation. I do hope so because that's also what happened last time, and there are rumors pointing towards that. And My indeed, sense is say yes, though. I think so as well. I mean, everything points out to it. Um, the only thing I hope that they do is that they learned from uh, this week's CES event that they had. Well, that that, that Sony proper had, not Sony Entertainment. Because, oh my goodness, that was so so bad. Why? They just showed a logo and they showed a trailer with games coming out for PS4. The problem was not the logo. The logo was the logo. I mean, what else were you going to expect the logo to look like? But the build-up was so unnecessary. Okay. Why are you building up to a logo? Yeah. Just say, yo, hey, remember we announced that the PlayStation 5 is coming this holiday season? We just want to drop the logo. Here it is. Have a nice day and move on. But no, they went on and on and on, and then they dropped the logo. Oh, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, there's always something to say something about. <laughs> I am not the only one who thought that. Like if you went on Twitter, Twitter was lit up with people making fun of that announcement. It's good that uh, I'm not on social media. <laughs> I think I would get uh, up uh, in fights with everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think you. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. So I feel that. I mean, I told you this before. I've said this before in multiple episodes that. I feel that they would do the same thing that they did when they announced the PlayStation 4. 
So probably have an event in February mm-hmm. where they'll probably use whatever momentum they've built up um, and then go from there. Yeah, I mean, they do know how to hold an event. I mean, besides the last few E3s, their E3 press conferences and press events have always been good. So they'll yeah. probably know how to play this one. It's just that we have to wait until... Uh, we know more or hear more. Invites will probably go out soon if they're going to do something in February. So, I mean, if if they're going to have an event in February, I think... Well, if they're going to do one soon, then yeah, the, the, the invites would have gone out, but we wouldn't hear anything about it because there's probably like an NDA on it. Well, last um, time they uh, when they did the PS4 event, they sent out like ev- uh, public events public invites to people to the press uh and they also like the whole week teased everybody so they would show drop these teaser videos um and in the beginning it would be vague because it would just show the most random games um and then eventually when the event came then all those videos played together in one go and then the event kicked off yeah let me check when the event was in uh, last time february i'm pretty sure it was in february i think it was in february yeah, because I think so as well. The, the, yeah, because the reason I'm thinking that it was in February, because this is one that I really remember really well, is that Nintendo had a Direct in January or f- February as well, where they announced... Um, it wasn't a, Was it a Direct? Yeah, it was part of a Direct, where they announced the new Pokemon game at the time, which was Pokemon X and Y. Yeah, they, uh, the event oh. was... Uh, so those two are kind of interlinked for me. <laughs> <laughs> the event was on February 20th, back in the day. Yeah, okay, yeah. In so New York City, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Man, that event was good. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that E3 that year was really good. Gave me well, goosebumps. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they had the momentum of Microsoft, you know, not performing well. When they announced no, no, the no, 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 no. It's not that Microsoft dropped the ball. Their event was, it was solid. No, no, no. no I will no, not have saying... you downplay. <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't solid. I will not have you downplay that awesome E3 because Microsoft <laughs> dropped the ball on pricing. No, I will not have that. Just suck it in and say that was a good event. The announcements were good. The momentum was good. Everything they did was good. And it was an extra benefit that Microsoft dropped the ball. But I will not have you downplay this one. <laughs> All right. Fine. It, it, was, it was good, okay? It was good. It, it was, was good, yes. I'm happy you agree for once. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm thinking that if it's gonna happen, we're probably if they are gonna send invites and there's no NDA attached to it, like they did probably before. Probably I mean, generally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the general consensus because yeah. that's what most most um, tech companies do. Like, you know, Apple does it also as well. Samsung uh, does it uh, even w- before that. I mean. They have announced that they're going to have an event for their new S11 on the February 11th. That's like in a month. They already send out oh. invites to people. Okay. Yeah, that's so strange. That is really early. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If, if Sony wants to do an event in uh, February, then uh, the first invite would have to go out either the last week of January or the first week of February. What was the original release date for The Last of Us Part Two? Um, Wasn't it February? Something like that? Because if it was, then I, here's what I'm thinking. Um, they'll probably have the event where... It was February 21st. Oh, I, uh, no, the, February? It was February, February 21st. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. February is a short month. So I'm, a th- I'm thinking that they'll do the event either on the original launch date of The Last of Us mm-hmm. or a few days after. Because that would have been like a really good lead-in for them. Like, we just launched The Last of Us Part 2, and it got rave reviews and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And it is a good send-off for the PlayStation 4. And here is what we're going to announce. Like, And here is the PlayStation 5, the next generation. We tied off PlayStation 3 with Last of Us, uh, the first Last of Us. We're tying off Last of Us Part 2 with the PlayStation 4 and... Uh, yeah, that would have been a nice kind of yeah. bow, you know. 
like a good send-off for not just the game but the system yep and i'm pretty sure that they're gonna say that they're also gonna make a playstation 5 version of the last of us part 2 probably so but then i wonder because um because that's the big question like the playstation 5 is going to be backwards compatible so yeah why would i buy last of us if i have it on the ps4 why would i buy it again on the ps5 since i can just bring my copy over and of course maybe if i buy the ps5 version i'll get higher res textures in 8k or true 4k 60 but it kind of feels i i can predict now that it will cause a controversy because people will say sony's charging you twice for the same game and the only thing you're going to get with the new with the next gen version is better quality textures or improved visuals. So why should we shelf out another 60 bucks? Mm, But that's my my whole thing with everything backwards compatible, not just Sony, but also from Microsoft's side, because the next article kind of dips in this and says that Microsoft for the foreseeable future, for the the next year, will bring out all Xbox One game or all new Xbox games also to the current gen Xbox One. Yeah. So yeah. then, thank you. thank you for bringing that up. I was actually going to bring up that next article. Yeah, but yeah, so um, that is true. But you have to remember that they have set precedent for this before. The only difference is that with Microsoft now, they are saying that um, I'm assuming that after the Xbox uh, Series X comes out, mm-hmm. um, all the games that are coming out will be parity, so day and date. Mm-hmm. Anything that is near the launch of the system will be launched on Xbox uh, One. Yeah. And everything afterwards will be parody because that's how um, what's the, Game Pass works. Yeah. So I, I'm, that's fine, but it's also something that they've done before. The only difference is when they did it with the Xbox One and PlayStation 4, it was months after those games came out. Yeah. You know, so that I get um, mostly because, you know, the systems were different. So it probably took a lot more time for them to port it over to the next generation. Now you don't have that parity anymore because they're still working on x86 systems. Mm -hmm. And it's apparently even easier to develop for the next gen consoles than for the current gen. So, yeah, I mean... Either they need to come up with like an uh, an upgrade program in which you pay like uh, 20 bucks or something and then it verifies that you already have the game on PS4 and it gives you the game on PS5 as a download or something or anything in that region would be fine. But as, as if, for example, if Sony says, okay, you know what, now here, this is The Last of Us on PS4 and then in November when it comes out, it's going to be on PS5 and you get to buy it again for 60 bucks, I don't think a lot of people are going to be happy with it. I think, okay, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. The only thing that I can think of that they would do is if they came up with their own Game Pass. Yeah, that that would that would solve that problem because the reason because I think that's the only reason why Microsoft said that there would not be like an exclusive exclusive for uh, the Series X is because they have Game Pass and they can justify day and date release. But the other thing that I wonder is that if you if Microsoft does this, mm-hmm. what incentive is there for people to upgrade to a new console instead of people saying, you know what, I'll just wait it out until the console drops in price because I can still play all those games on my existing console. So why should I upgrade to a new one? Let me just wait until the price drops and then upgrade to a new one. Well, with every chat technology that there is, um, with every technology that there is, there are always... Th- early adopter so yeah you don't have to to worry about it impacting the sales of the system at least that's how i feel Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about it impacting the sales because you're gonna have the early adopters also there were also there were also rumors that um i mean we already talked about this the rumors that there's a second system that's going to be cheaper Mm -hmm. they might bundle a year's worth of game pass with that That'd be nice. There's your incentive for that. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. if you're, if I, I feel that if you're gonna do that, if uh, compensate it with adding Game Pass to it for three months, six months, a year. 
that will get people over the over the edge. Not only are your games going to look better and play faster, you're also going to have access to all the latest games when they come out. Um, at least the ones from Microsoft themselves. Third parties might come a bit later, but hey, there's your games. And the ones that you want to buy right away that don't get on Game Pass right away, you pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel. I don't... I'm just speculating. Like, I'm just, like, guessing stuff here right now. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that. That I mean, that's that news. Um, there's not a lot of news early in the year. No, it's really quiet. It's really quiet, except for the Pokemon company suddenly releasing a Pokemon Direct. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, so that happened the, this uh, this past week, and I have to say, a lot of people were surprised, including myself. I mean, I already figured that some things they were going to talk about, like the um, Pokemon Home, which is the service, uh, which is the cloud service that they're going to introduce, so that you can transfer Pokemon from other Pokemon games and from Pokemon Bank which is the previous cloud service that you had on 3DS. Mm. And <clears throat> they did. They introduced that. They also introduced a remake of a Game Boy Advance game, a spin-off, which is Pokemon Mystery Dungeon uh, Rescue Team DX, which Jeez, is a name. Well, the original name, because there were two games, because of course there were, was Pokemon mystery dungeon rescue team red and rescue team blue wow so this is shorter <laughs> um, i just love those naming schemes yeah so they're based off the poke the, not the pokemon they're based off the mystery dungeon games um series of games and yeah it's cool they're adding new stuff the graphics are of course hd now they're using a really cool art style it almost Someone said it on, uh, I don't remember where I heard this. Someone said, someone said it on, I think, a on a YouTube video that I watched. Um, I think it was Game Explain. Someone said that it looked like um, the Winnie the Pooh artwork. Hmm. Like, you know, the painterly, like yeah. the, the hand-drawn stuff. It, and it does. Like the, 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 the textures and stuff make it look all hand-drawn and it's really pretty. So, yeah, so that's coming out. It's going to have new content in it as well. There was um, Mega Evolution, which didn't exist back then. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The demo of it is out. So if you want to try it out and see how it is, there's a free demo of that game. Plus the save file transfers to the full game, which is something that I really like that they started doing now. More and more games on Switch keep having these demos where you can transfer the save file to the full game. That's so nice it's option. one, not wasted time. And two, it gets you invested in the game very early on because it's coming out March. Wait, that can't be right. Is it coming out March 20th? Uh, let me check it real quick. Mystery Dungeon DX. Uh, Rescue Team DX. When is it coming out? Oh, March 6th. Sorry. That's pretty soon. That is pretty soon. For me there, I thought it was March 20th, which would have been bad because that's the same day as Animal Crossing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, there's overlap in that, in that demographic, so people would be angry. Um, but yeah, so that one is coming out really soon. What they also introduced was for the first time ever in the mainline series, an expansion pass. I read about that. Which um, is interesting. I mean, it has a lot of content. Um, they're adding 200 Pokemon to it. Um, not new Pokemon, of course, from like, like older generations, but they're also adding new Pokemon as well. So yeah, so 200 in total, including new Pokemon, um, regional variants, all the legendaries, as far as I can tell, and new legendaries. Um, so for those that are excited about that, go watch the trailer. It's really cool. 
Um, they're adding more areas to the game, which is really cool. And they're big. They're big areas. Um, the only thing, however, is that people are kind of split on, and I'm kind of also split on, is the pricing model. Because the expansion pack is only valid for one version of the game. So if you have Pokemon Sword or Shield, you buy it for that game and it's 30 bucks, mm -hmm. 30 euros, 27 pounds, I think. Um, but if you have both games and you want the DLC for both games, you, you have, have to, to pay for it. Exactly. Wow, that's strange. That is strange. But if you use Pokemon Home, you only need to buy it once because the Pokemon are transferable after the update for the DLC comes out. Okay. So even if you don't own the DLC, if someone has a Pokemon that was introduced in the DLC, you can trade it with a friend or you can get it through a surprise trade, which trades Pokemon with random with random trainers online that also put their Pokemon up for trade. Yeah. Um, or if they have been introduced into the DLC, you can just trade them from your Pokemon Bank or from Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee into Pokemon Sword or Shield. Wow, nice. So that's cool. And it's cheaper than what they used to do, which is they'll bring out the main game, have it have about a year or so on the market, and then in the second year, announce a enhanced version with more story content. Um, or at least they changed stuff off, they shuffled it around, and they charge you the same amount as they did the original game. Nice. So people are split on it because people prefer that model because, for one, all the Pokemon were available in those models. Yeah. Now people feel like, oh, this is the reason why you kept the Pokemon... The, the 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 pokedex incomplete Ugh. yeah yeah the, the people that um, that nag about that i give you a little bit validation now only because i feel like that's how it feels with the deal with the dlc but the dlc has a lot of interesting story content plus it's the wild area that gets expanded which is the 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 part that most people enjoyed the most in Sword and Shield, so at least there's that. Um, I'll see when it comes out. The first part, it's in two parts, by the way. The first part is coming out in June this year. The second part is coming out in August. Um, I haven't made up my mind if I'm going to buy it right away or if I'm going to wait and see the reviews first. You're I think gonna I'm going to buy it right away. I know you. No, I think I'm going to wait and see what the reviews say first about the, the content before I dive in. Because again, like I said, if I want the Pokemon, I can just tra transfer them. I care to wager that you're going to buy it directly. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> um, before we end this, the... Um, Pokemon Home that I was talking about that allows you to transfer, it is coming out sometime in February, so that's also right around the corner. You'll be able to download you'll be able to download it on your smartphone and manage it from there. Nice. I think. I'm not really sure how that's gonna work, but we'll wait. It's February. We'll all right. Alrighty. That was it, right? Yep, that's all the news. Wow, that's not that's not we still managed to talk about it for like twenty eight minutes, but it's it's not a lot of news to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> the most was just speculating about what Sony and Microsoft are going to do with yeah. game parody. <laughs> yep. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. Um, stick around, guys, and we'll be back with, well, what we've been playing. Alrighty, welcome back to our second segment. What have you been playing? Have you played anything at all in your week of sickness, Maximilian? Uh, well, well, I that, started we've playing... come to the end of this segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean I've I've been um yeah, I've been playing some Pokemon again, especially after the announcements. Um they uh they changed the raid dungeons, they added new Pokemon in there that you can catch um 
you can catch a Gigantamax uh, Lapras, which just looks gorgeous, by the way. Um, and a Gigantamax Flappler Appleton, which is just, which is the, like, that, that Pokemon is, like, one of the best designs in this game. I think I talked about it before, but it bears repeat. It is a dragon grass Pokemon that lives in an apple. Wow. When you catch the pre-evolution Appleton, it's nothing more than a worm that you see. You see the back of the worm in the apple, and it's two eyes poking out like the leaves of the apple. Okay. And it's a red and it's a red apple. When it evolves, it's so hilarious. It has two forms. One is a flying type. Well, one is it's not a flying type, it's still grass dragon, but one flies, it's called Flapple. <laughs> wow, that is such an original name. And the and the arm and the wings are made of the apple skin, of course. Oh god. <laughs> but its other evolution that which is um shield exclusive, which is the one that I have, is Apple uh, Ton. And Appleton is one giant apple pie. Wow. Like it's a giant well, it's a it's still a apple, but it's a giant the back of it looks like an apple pie. And um how do I say this without grossing people out? The Pokedex entry says that kids used to peel off the back strips and eat it because it's tasty. What? Yeah, the Pokemon Pokedex entries um are messed up. Like if you ever have time. Just look up random Pokedex entries. They will either give you nightmares. No, they'll just give you nightmares. Maybe Pokemon is an adult game instead of a kid's game, but we just don't know it. The the, Poke, the Pokedex entries tend to be pretty horrific, especially for ghost Pokemon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> strange, yeah, man. Uh, developer. Uh... Oh, man. I think that's the... I think one of the things that... The, the the developers and the and the designers enjoy the most especially the localizers because the localizers have to you know localize it so the pokedex entries aren't necessarily the same in japanese as they are in english mm-hmm. but the localizers have a field day when it comes with the pokedex entries oh god happy days <laughs> good to but be yeah. a localizer for pokemon yeah but their gigantamax version is even better because they literally turn into a giant apple and the worm just peeks out at the top. That's just creepy, <laughs> with, man. With, with like a bunch of applesauce draping over ah, it. <laughs> that's just nasty. I'll, show, I'll send you a picture later, man. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see it. Ugh. But yeah, I've been, I've been doing some raid battles and trying to catch them. Uh, I still haven't caught the Alolan Lap... The Alolan... The Gigantamas Lapras because... They keep running away after I try to catch them. And, you know, considering the amount of effort you have to put in, that's kind of annoying. Um, but I did catch a bunch of the apple, uh, the, a bunch of the flapples, which are exclusive, by the way, to sword. And I have shield, so this helps a lot. Mm, Plus nice. they have good stats, so that's good, good breeding opportunities. I still haven't completed my Pokedex, so if there's anybody out there, um, please hit me up on my Twitter. It's at Maximilian. I would love to get some uh, Pokemon from Pokemon Sword so I can complete my Pokedex. Awesome. Um, that's pretty much what I've played. Yeah, that's actually kind of it. Hey, that's okay. Oh, I did play the uh, the Pokemon um, Mystery Dungeon demo. Okay. Um, a bit. I mean, it's Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. I've played it before. It's prettier. That's about it. Yeah. If you played, if I mean, if you've played Pokemon Mystery Dungeon before or Shirin the Wanderer back on the SNES days, you know what you're in for. So there's not a lot of, to explain. It's a random dun. It's a it's a dungeon. It's a roguelite. Okay. So if you've played any roguelites before, the old school roguelites, not like the modern indie stuff that they do nowadays. It's a grid based dungeon crawler that's randomly generated, and you get missions to go through these dungeons, and that's about it. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, what have you been playing, Shaw Templar? Well, I too was uh, sick, so I haven't played a lot. Uh, I've tried to play some Modern Warfare multiplayer, but, uh, you know, when you're sick, you just keep on dying. So I had uh, one match in which I 
Gosley had my ass handed to me. And in the just sec- to clarify, you die in the game, not in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the second game, I got, I I recovered and became first. But in the third game, I kind of died again. I have been playing a little bit more of the night missions, so that's really cool that they've added. They really listen to the community, and so they add different kind of playlists to the game. So, for example, you have. Um, a playlist that has uh, night missions in it. So then you can either uh, wear night vision goggles, but then you can, for example, aim down the side. So you have a laser on your gun that uh, points in the direction that you shoot. So you can kind of use that as a reference. Or you can take the night vision goggles off, but then you kind of don't see anything, and then you can do ADS. Um, I play still hardcore, and it's cool because it adds a certain hide-and-seek element to the game. I was playing Kill Confirmed, for example. So in Kill Confirmed, when you kill an enemy, they drop a dog tag, and you need to grab that dog tag to score a point. And then the team with the most points wins. But because it's in the dark, everybody's super careful and quiet, and it's really hide-and-seek, and you're constantly just slowly walking around, whereas normally people are constantly running all over the place and jumping and doing all sorts of stuff. And now it's like really quiet and you get these jump scares because somebody out of the blue just pops up in front of you. <laughs> and it could also be a teammate. Sometimes you don't see that fast enough. I, I killed two teammates in a row. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the stupid thing is, is they were standing behind each other. So I shot one and I saw another one behind him. And I thought, oh, crap, that's the enemy. And bam, I shot him as well. And I was like, okay, this is not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've also added a playlist around shipment. Um, have you ever played Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the first one? No. Uh, there's a there's a map introduced in that game called I think it was also called Shipment there. So it's basically a really really tiny map with sea mm-hmm. containers stacked on top of each other. So you can um, you can uh, walk into some of the sea containers and walk to through it to the other side. But it's like a really, really small map. I mean, if you stand at one side of the map, you can see the edge of the of the end of the other side of the map. It's really tiny. So wow. it's always a complete chaos there. If somebody calls in an airstrike, you're guaranteed to get 10 kills because it's so tiny and the airstrikes are also <laughs> pretty strong. Uh, and the tricky part around this map is, is it's either really good for your kill-death ratio or it will pull it down real bad. Uh, I played a match and to my surprise I became first on shipment because you know that's always the tricky part about multiplayer games I never like to say that I'm good at it because it feels that you're bragging but to be honest when I'm in my A game I'm I'm okay I'm pretty good at at Call of Duty I'm generally in the top three sometimes more often in the the first spot than in other spots but you know i don't like to say it because people say hey he's a bragger or whatnot or you play one game and you get your ass handed to you and then you're just bragger or whatever but anyways i got a first spot on shipment and i also got play of the game so if you nice. do something extraordinary in the game like get multiple kills after one another you get mm-hmm. play of the game and i didn't even realize that i had play of the game but apparently there was this moment in which i switched to my pistol and i went all john wick and i shot five or six people in a row with my pistol <laughs> and that got me play of the game so it was really when the game was over I was like what wait is that me and then i see myself pop 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 shooting all these people in one go like damn that's me that's what i did did you say the replay for that uh, i don't know i have to, have to check but i do remember i got oh, man. i got 80 kills in that game Wow. Oh, wow. That yeah, is a tiny map. That's really tiny map. So that's what I mean. Like it could mess up your kill death ratio real good. So they've added a 24-7 shipment playlist. So you can jump into that if you want. Actually, I think I'm going to play some after we start record- stop recording because I feel like uh, some chaos again. <laughs> <laughs> all, um, right, all right. Yeah. Besides Modern Warfare, um, I have been playing a more Death Stranding. Um, I've looked it up, but Death Stranding has 15 chapters. Mm-hmm. I'm in chapter 8 or 9 right now. Uh, some oh, chapters... So past the halfway point. Yeah, some chapters are short. So, for example, one chapter was, was just a boss battle and an alarm cutscene. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about Death Stranding now is that there's this really big uh, diversity in locations and environment. So oh. um, you start out in a pretty rocky area with some green environment, but a lot of rocky. And then you move on to an area which has some water, waterfalls to it, but even more rocks. Um, 
now I'm in an area that has mountains covered in snow and also a bit more green, lush forests. Um, so there's a lot of variation in the environments, which really make it cool because it doesn't feel so, you know, repetitive or so boring. Um, no grassy plains, though? Yeah, also grassy plains. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so even some deserty stuff in there. So they've really, um, really, I, it almost feels like I'm playing a, a different version of Horizon Zero Dawn because Horizon Zero Dawn also had this amazing scenery and also these variations in scenery. It's yeah. almost like they learned from one another and said, hey, you know what? We'll just take that kind of from you. Um, also, it makes sense considering it's play, it's it's in the United States. And if you're moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, yeah, it would be kind of weird if you're not going to run into desert because, you know, Mojave Desert and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I what I the only gripe I have with the game, which has been constantly and it's even more right now, is that so if you um, if you get in an area where there are BTs, so these uh, you know, these bad guys, beach things, beach things, then um, first you it starts to rain, so you get kind of like a hint, and then um, your little I don't know what's called. I forget the name. Your little watcher on your back starts to awaken and starts to blink and make sounds. And then um, if you use it to scan the environment, you can also see remnants of those BTs. Um, and so if you get captured by one of those BTs, they try to drag you down. But the annoying part is, is you can try to fight off those captures and then just run away. But mm. it's actually a lot more easier to just not fight it off, get captured, trigger the BT boss battle, kick the BT's ass, and then just, then because then the rain and everything goes away and then you can just continue on. So there's not a lot of incentive to kind of shake them off and try to get away. It's easier to just say, you know what, just drag me down, trigger the boss battle, because it's faster and easier to get rid of that part by doing that than you're doing something else. Because otherwise you can just, He's stuck doing that for like an eternity. That's the yeah. only issue I have with the game. And I'm not the kind of guy that runs away because generally you need to walk through that territory to get to your objective. Um, or you need to make like a huge detour, which is also annoying. Um, so that's the only issue I have with the game right now that when you encounter BTs, it's far more easier to make noise and get captured and then fight the boss instead of trying to sneak past them or hide or whatever because... Yeah, it doesn't do anything. Um, okay. I've met some new characters. Um, there's this one character that um, goes into cardiac arrest every 20 minutes. And then he looks for his family uh, on, the, the, on, on a beach, as that it is called. And then he gets um, revived after three minutes. And then the time resets. Um, so it's kind of funny because then you're talking to him and then he has this uh, defibrillator on his chest, which gives like notifications like, oh, uh, one minute left till cardiac arrest. And then he just flatlines and he drops on the ground. And then for, for three minutes, um, he's out and then he gets revived and then he comes back. <laughs> yeah, it's super strange. Okay. Yeah, there's a reason why everything happens, but you'd have to play the game for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, besides that, I mean, I didn't expect, and I've said this multiple times, I did not expect I would enjoy Death Stranding this much because mm. um, maybe it's one of those Hideo Kojima tricks again in which he lures you in in the vagueness and that you just are triggered curiously and that you just want to know, okay, okay what's going to happen? Why is this all more vague? And a lot of things are starting to make more sense. Um, and that is kind of the reason why it keeps you going. You would just want to know, why is this all happening? And yeah, of course, some gameplay decisions are maybe unpractical, such as there are vehicles in the game, but you can't really use the vehicles because the terrain is really rocky constantly. So you just hit it every time. And then you also <laughs> could damage your packages that way. And, you know, stuff like that. And there's like, um, there are terrorists in the game and they have lethal weapons. But everybody knows if you kill somebody, you can cause a void out, which is like a nuke explosion. So why would a terrorist kill somebody and then risk losing his own life? I mean, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, mm. it's a smaller things. Uh, overall, it is still definitely worth the game uh, checking out. I saw that for the GDC Choice Awards, uh, it was nominated in quite some categories. 
So um, who knows? It might even pick up some more awards in the coming weeks. Um, I'm curious what the dice. I think the dice nominations were. Huh? I don't know that yet, but uh, I think um, the game has some uh, potential to win some awards. And I also saw that uh, it got rated for a PC release, so uh, maybe we'll see that uh, coming out soon as well. Yeah, I mean, we already knew there was going to be a PC release. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's now rated, so it could be that the release just happens soon. Ah, okay, that's what it is. Yeah. Cool. But uh, that's basically it, so um, I think uh, we'll leave it at a pretty short what you've been playing, and we'll be right back with our Hidden Gems, right? Yes, that's right. Stick around, we'll be back. And we're back with this year's first Hidden Gems! Sean Templar, what is your Hidden Gem? My Hidden Gem is a PlayStation 2 game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I've rarely done those. A game called Spartan Total Warrior. Why does that sound familiar? Uh, I don't know, because it was an awesome game. So Spartan Total Warrior is a third-person action war game, to put it that way, made Mm -hmm. by Creative Assembly, which are the guys behind the Total War franchise. So years ago... Was this a spin-off? Yeah, so they kind of tried to branch out years ago by making, uh, instead of only strategy games, they also tried to do something else. So this was one of those first games they did uh, in which you are a Spartan soldier um, set out to uh, fight against the Roman Empire who is invading Sparta. Maybe not completely accurate from a historical point of view. I've seen the box art, that's why. Yeah. I've seen the box art like a lot back in the day yeah i love that game um so what happens is is that the romans invade sparta and you need to fend off the assault uh, and then you go out on different kinds of missions um and the cool part is 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 for at the time you had like these they really made you feel like you were part of this huge battle going on even though there weren't a lot of soldiers on screen, they still mimic that really well. So if you loved the Total War games in which you commanded thousands of units, you were now one single of those thousands of units, and you would fight and have these super cool finishing moves to also kill all these uh, Romans. Um, It is a bit strange because you're not used to fighting against Romans, especially if it's Romans against Spartans. Um, But it was one of those games that, that really caught me by surprise. Um, I'm always a fan of of these kind of games. I mean, for example, Gladiator is one of my favorite movies. And the opening scene of that movie is one of the best opening scenes. And this kind of made you feel like you were part of that battle. Um, you go out through all sorts of... You have this massive quest that takes you from, from Sparta all the way to Rome um, to finally kill the emperor of Rome himself, who kind of started this war against sparta and against your family because you unfortunately lose some friends and family along the way and um it has a nice mix of combat and puzzle solving in there there's also an upgrade system in which you slowly upgrade your gear Uh, i know you start out with like a really basic gear and in the end you have this super cool helmet and chest armor a nice big spartan shield and, and a sword and you have also different kinds of weapons so you've that are common in different playstyles. So, for example, you can switch to a, so, uh, a dual hand, a dual wieldable sword. So you're faster, but you do less damage. For example, uh, and then you have different enemy types that also need different approaches or need these different kinds of weapons. Um, I I didn't actually maybe at the time I wasn't really active online on looking up what kind of games they were coming out. So this game kind of caught me by surprise. And I remember mm-hmm. that if you play it, it's it's a short experience. I think you can play it in like six to eight hours. You can finish it. But I remember the impact it had on me. And I finished the game multiple times. And it was really, really cool. Um, it kind of got a, a, a spiritual successor on the PlayStation 3 called, uh, I believe it was called Viking Battle for Asgard. Let me just double check that. 
was also made by Creative Assembly. Yeah, Viking Battle for Asgard. It was set in uh, Norse mythology. Um, it didn't score as well as uh, as Spartan Total Warrior did, but it was. I remember that game. I think I played the demo for that game. Yeah, I, I, I. In, in the beginning, I was in doubt if I should buy the game or not. So eventually, I saw the game for like real cheap, and then I bought it. Um, here it was even cooler because of the power of the PS3. You had even more units on screen, and you had more different playstyles. So this, you could also, for example, have a, a kind of a, a sneaky, stealthy approach to certain um, uh, enemies, uh, and also it had a more like an open world kind of feeling, whereas the first Spartan Total Warrior was really a linear experience. So you just had levels and you just had to finish the levels and cutscenes tied the game together. Whereas in this, you had an open world and you could just roam around in that open world and um, just had to follow the story and do things. It was a lot more gory as well. So you could really just rip off like heads and stuff like that. Um, Unfortunately, creative... The funny thing is... Creative Assembly is really good at making strategy games. Mm-hmm. They're not super good in making other kinds of games because they have had these moments in which they tried doing other things as well. Um, they made a strategy game for the PlayStation 3, I remember. It was a sci-fi game. It also didn't really live up to expectations. I don't know if that's because strategy games don't work on consoles or... They apparently also did a rugby game back in the day for EA. Oh, my God. Uh, back in 2000, EA Rugby. Oh, wow. I didn't even know <laughs> It that. didn't even have a year. It's just called EA Rugby. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're currently owned by uh, Sega, so uh, they only yeah. focus on strategy games, which is really good. Yeah, they I also mean... did Alien Isolation. Yeah, but that also wasn't really... Alien Isolation was good. Are you sure? But... Yeah, it's not the it's not the one that was published by. Uh, you're thinking about the one that was published by. Um, by Gearbox. By Gearbox. Yeah, it's not that one. No, but I think this is this is this is the uh, this is the uh, the survival horror one. Yeah, I know, but I thought that one didn't review as well. No, no, it reviewed well, like really well, even. Let me check. Yeah, I'm not into survival horror games, so maybe that's it. Yeah, right like here, that. like the Metacritic's is the Metacritic score is like really good like 80 79 78 um the switch version is even a bit higher at 83 that game come up for the switch yeah like a couple of months ago we talked about this really yeah oh i can't remember (laughs) yeah wow we talked about it in a new segment i think about a month or two ago yeah, you see, you see, generally when I watch game reviews, I look at IGN, for example, and GameSpot. Mm-hmm. IGN gave it a 5.9 and GameSpot gave it a 6.0. So that's why yeah. I kind of thought, okay, well, the game didn't review as well. I mean, yeah. Yeah, EGM gave it an 8 and Eurogamer, Eurogamer gave it an 8 as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Destructag actually gave it an 8.5. Wow. But, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, like, uh, <coughs> wow, sorry. Um, Creative Assembly has these hit and misses if they kind of wander off their Total War uh, path. path. So, War path. yeah, they should kind of stick to it. Uh, but anyways, yeah, if, if you, I think you can pick it up for like really, really cheap. So if you feel like uh, one of those games in which you can just feel like you're part of the opening scene of Gladiator, uh, definitely check it out. It will not disappoint you. It's a really fun game, and I actually hope that they make more kinds of games like this. That's why I love Dynasty Warriors always so much because you can just take on massive armies and you know kind of be like a hero. Cool. Okay. Um, I guess it's not on. Um, I guess it's not on PlayStation now. So mm, I don't think so. Maybe it's on PSN on PlayStation Three. Uh, it's a PS2 game. Yeah, but there are some PS2 games on that that were put on uh, PlayStation uh, on PlayStation Network, like during <laughs> the end of the PlayStation Three era. <coughs> Let me check. Um, it actually came out for GameCube. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't it was know a that. Xbox. It was a multiplat. Yeah, that's why I remembered the box art because that was back in the day when I was looking at. You know, GameCube games and stuff. So wow, it was on the shelves like a lot. I knew it came out for Xbox as well, but like, yeah, on what on GameCube? Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. 
Anyways, what's your hidden gem? My hidden gem is a very unique one because it used to be, it, at least when it released originally in Japan, it was released as part of this bundle. But in the West, it was released individually on the 3DS eShop. Um, and this one is called Attack of the Friday Monsters, which is a life simulation game. Um, so it is very, very low key. I mean, if you've played stuff like Animal Crossing, it's a little bit more low key than that. Um, it's uh, published by Level Five, who had this initiative of they wanted to make they wanted to have this um, bundle of games, these smaller games called the Guild series where they'd get all these independent developers who tend to not publish big, have them fund their games, have their games come out in a bundle, and then put it out by them, which is what they did in Japan. Um, So it was actually amazing to see that these games actually made it out in the West because a lot of those games are very Japanese-centric, and none is more Japanese-centric than Attack of the Friday Monsters. Um, the, the premise of the story is this. You're this little kid that just moved to um, one of the outer uh, wards in Tokyo. Um, it's kind of in the... It, it's, it looks like it's kind of in the boondocks, but it's closer to the city. And it's where... It's 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 uh, dang it. What is it again? It's set in the fifties, um, sixties, when um, the the kaiju, the kaiju movies and the uh, and the big superhero movies came out back in the day. You know, like Godzilla and stuff like that, and Gamera and Mothra and 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 Ghidorah and stuff like that. And it's based around that. He moved to a ward where those. Battles actually come true every Friday. Wow. So every Friday, uh, every Friday evening, the monsters come out and the and the giant superhero comes out to battle it. And that's basically what it's about. It's about a kid trying to learn more about these monsters and doing day-to-day stuff, you know, helping the family around. And it takes place over, I think, a couple of Fridays during the summer. Um, And it's like this very mellow, it's a very mellow game. Um, The the, the game designer for this, um, Kaz Ayabe, is known for a series similar to this, which is called Bokudon uh, Natsumi. Sorry, wow, I cannot talk Japanese with a cold. but um literally translated is my summer holiday okay um it's a it's apparently a very popular series in japan mostly on the playstation 2 back in the day so it's modeled after that so it's just you as a kid just going into town interacting with other kids and other people in town um Asking them about the monsters, finding more, uh, finding out more about what the monsters are, and I'm not going to spoil the ending because it's actually a very cool story. But if you have a 3ds, um, it's on the eShop. Just pick it up. I'm not going to talk a lot about the story. Um, I will say this though: the again, since we didn't expect it to have a English localization, the text is all in English. There is some voice work in there, but it's all in Japanese. And that is to the game's benefit because it's set in Japan. It would be weird if they actually spoke. But if you had voiceovers and the voice that came out was English, I, think it would, I feel like it would take you out of the experience a bit. But this really works. Um, the graphics are PlayStation 2 level, so it's fine. Like. It's a blend of 3D and 2D artwork. So the the town and some of the most of the assets are hand drawn, but the characters are all in 3D models. So like the background is like really pretty, but the 3D models are really um, PlayStation Two. Like, and when I say PlayStation Two, I mean early PlayStation Two. 
<laughs> not not Final Fantasy X, PlayStation Two, or um, anything past two thousand four. <laughs> wow. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, the backgrounds is where it's at, and the stories where it's at. There are a lot of colorful characters that you meet. Um, they all have something to say, and they all have something to hide. Um, not all of them. Some of them are pretty straightforward. Some of them actually do have something to hide, which adds to the mystery. Um, but yeah, it's a fun game. And honestly, the only reason that I thought about it is that um, I, someone on Twitter, Nintendan, um, uh, Ninten- ah, dang it, I'm saying it the American way, Nintendan, it's spelled the Dutch way, D A N who is a excellent uh, reporter who does a lot of writing for go Nintendo and, and, and uh, game explain and Nintendo life and like uh, Nintendo life. Yeah. I think also he does for Nintendo life and other stuff. Like he's a Dutch guy like us. Maybe we should have him on the podcast one of these days. Or maybe we should reach out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cool guy. He would just mention that he was going to play it again for an article that he's working on. And I was like, oh, yeah, this game, it's awesome. I have my 3DS. I, I got some time. So I picked it up. I played it again a little bit. But again, because I was sick, I kind of didn't have the energy to go through it. Um, so, yeah. Um, it, it is a shame that they stopped with the Guild series games because this is part of Guild 02. Um, and that's as far as they went. So I hope that Level 5 goes, goes back to this project and brings out more unique games because there were a lot of unique games in the series that came out. So That's good. But yeah, Attack of the Friday Monsters. If you have a 3DS, get it. It's fun. It's good. It'll warm your heart. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think we can all use some games that warm our hearts. Yeah, totally. Yours is that one. Mine is just this massive battle and just killing a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just feeling part of yeah. Gladiator. I mean, I love it. Actually, I might yeah. actually watch Gladiator today. Really? Yeah, because I'll probably get my ass handed to me in Call of Duty, so I might as well just go watch Gladiator. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, well, I haven't seen that movie in a while. Oh, I love that movie. It's, I think it's probably the movie that I much... I, I Stupid thing, example, but I, I was making some tea for myself, and on the tea bag, there's a, like a haiku or something like that. And in this case, it was a question. It was like... What is the movie you have watched the most? I'm like, oh, that's an easy one. Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> ah, for me, that answer would be Back to the Future Part 2. Funny. I sent, uh, I sent uh, a picture of that to a friend of ours. And that person also said Back to the Future. And like, wow, I did not expect that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so with that, we have come to the end of this episode this regular episode the first regular episode of the new season and the new year sean templar uh will you uh, take us out i will try to do the honors <laughs> so thank you all for listening to our second episode of season two of game rivals um if you want to reach out to us you can always do that in numerous ways we have a twitter game underscore rivals underscore you can reach Maximilian on Twitter as well through Maximilian. Um, you can send us your feedback or questions at gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. We have a link in the description for anchor messages. So you can also leave an anchor message. You don't have to make an account for that. You can just click on the link and then leave your voice message. Um, we can maybe feature you as a fellow game rival. We have... <clears throat> Sorry, a YouTube channel, which we will put the link to in the description as well. It has Maximilian's unboxing for The Legend of Zelda, uh, Link's Awakening, European Super Awesome Duper Edition, and also has my first hour part one of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, So check it out, subscribe, leave a comment. Also, don't forget to leave a comment or rate this episode. Please give us five stars because it helps our visibility. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcast. Um, if it's a podcasting platform, we're probably there. Um, and I think I forgot it with that. You forgot the Instagram. Oh, yeah. I forgot the Instagram. We also have an Instagram, which we will also put the link to in our 
description. And we also have a survey in which we can, in a few minutes, ask you some couple of questions so we can kind of shape the future of Game Rivals and come up with. We have a few new segments in in the works, but we just don't know if it's like the right one. So we want some feedback from you all. So just let us know through the survey. Yeah, a lot of people have, uh, more people have answered it. So we're grateful for thank Thank you for your feedback. Thank you. Um, uh, and soon I will also be starting to post um, uh, s- s- more stuff on our Instagram as well so that you can kind of get a hint of uh, what we've been talking about the, in the episodes or what we are, you know, some kind of previews of video ideas that we're working on. So um, hopefully you'll uh, check that out and uh, we'll be able to keep you posted through those channels as well. All right. And with that, my name is Sean Templer. And I'm Maximilian X. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.